All right. So uh, happy Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, Churchgiving, something. Something thankful. Very thankful for you guys. Um, a lot of a lot of people made uh, this this space happen, like decorating the tables and bringing really great food, and then uh, and then just all the awesome ladies who just made this worship space happen. Um, just wanted. To, can we just thank everybody who um, just create creating this environment for today? Um, and of course, our kids team who we they you know if we made a lot of noise, they could probably hear us, but they're across the way. Um, but yeah, just so many people make these uh, these these gatherings possible. I'm just super thankful for every single one of you guys. Um, I, don't, I don't know what kind of um, family hangout or uh, if there is a family hangout happening this week, uh, uh, but you guys uh, you guys are my family, and I'm, I'm thankful for you. Um, regardless of what this week holds for Thanksgiving, whether it's drama-free or really wonderful. Um, just grateful to be with you guys tonight. And um, there is still pumpkin pie and things like that. And it will not hurt my feelings if, you know, at any point during the message you grab some. Um, probably if you're making, like, yummy noises and stuff while you're eating it, I'll think that, like, I, I'm, like, just killing it with the sermon. Um, but really, it's, it's a, the pumpkin pie is killing it. And that's okay. Just don't tell me. Um, so if you have a Bible, um, open up to Ephesians 4, and, um, and uh, yeah, and we are, we are working through Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and I'm really, I've been really looking forward to what we get to talk about tonight, and so much so that we're going to get to talk about this for the next couple of weeks, because there's just so much here. So um, this is, I'll show you a picture here, this is the Mount of Olives. Um, you can see it just above um, the, the words, the Mount of Olives. You can see kind of the rise uh, there in the landscape. And this is where the resurrected Jesus said goodbye to his disciples, where the famous Great Commission was made. Um, Jesus had spent about 40 days with his disciples before he ascended to the throne of the universe. And Matthew 28 says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And, and I'm sure that last part, um, I'm always with you. I'm sure that became really important to the disciples in the coming months and years. Um, especially as then they were sent back out to their own people in Jerusalem and how intimidating that could be. Um, as they start and lie some massive, impressive Roman cities with just all this culture and art and life. And I'm, I'm sure there were different times that they thought, like, who, who am I? Who am I to be here right now? Who am I to represent Jesus in this space to these people? Um, lately, have there been relationships or environments you found yourself in where you're asking yourself that question? Like, who, who am I to be here right now and to, to represent Jesus? I'm, I'm just, and then, you know, we make our list of all the reasons why we're not qualified to be that, that person. I feel that way when I, I walk around this neighborhood and I go, you know, God, I, I want so many things for this place. I, I, I want a church that really can be a blessing to this place. But God, who, who am I? I, f I feel that way all the time. And Jesus said to those first disciples, and he said to us, don't forget, I'll be with you the whole way, every step of the way. If you're a Christ follower, if you're in Christ, then making disciples is your call. It's your commission from Jesus. This is our mandate from Jesus himself. And 
I, I doubt that any of us really have a full grasp on what it is that Jesus is asking us to do. I don't even think those first disciples had the, the full grasp. I mean, they didn't even know about the existence of North America or South America or Australia. I mean, that was, that was part of the mission too. But even if we don't understand what Jesus is asking of us, Jesus understands. And he says, I'll be with you. And uh, so he not only understands, we're going to see he, he, he knows what he's asking us to do. He also is going to empower us to do what he's asking us to do. And he's going to release us to call, uh, release us into what he's called us to do. And he's promised, I'm going to be with you the whole time. I'm not going anywhere. And today we're going to talk about five ways that Jesus is with us, but also five ways that Jesus is going to equip his church, is going to equip us to do what he's asked us to do. And so this is what it says in Ephesians 4, if you're there in your Bibles, uh, verse 7, 4, verse 7. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and he gave gifts to his people. Parentheses. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So... Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, or you could read shepherds there, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, there's a lot going on here. Um, first of all, there's this like, what's up with the whole ascending, descending that Jesus went on? Uh, to, to rescue and redeem us. Um, Jesus came down. He descended into our human condition with all of its brokenness, with all the darkness. And then the ascension and captive language, this is, this is describing something that happened in the background of this whole story. There's this great battle that Jesus won on our behalf, and he fought that battle at the cross. Jesus won the battle over sin and death and the devil and the fallen spiritual powers that had held us captive. And then scripture tells us he now takes them captive and he sets us free. And when you win a battle over your enemies, you plunder their camp. It's the spoils of war. So you think about Mary and Pippin, uh, the moment when, uh, the, the, when Sauron's house uh, was defeated and they come into this storeroom and they're just like, oh, wow, this is, this is incredible. Uh, think about, if, you re, if you're familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia series, um, after Aslan, the lion, his resurrection, they, 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 uh, the Pevensey kids are on his back and they leap over the wall and there's all of these uh, captives who the, 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 the witch has held captive and they're frozen and Aslan uh, releases the statues, breathes life on them and there's uh, all this plunder, all the spoils of war, all these, these uh, prisoners of war that have been uh, recaptured for Jesus. And then uh, think about the story of the Israelites plundering the Egyptians after they've been set free. And they, they receive all this gold and all this wealth on their way out after they've been rescued. That's the picture here in the background. So when Jesus ascends as the glorious, victorious king, he shares the plunder with us. He shares gifts. And so Paul writes to every single one of us, grace has been given. That's what's going on in the background there. Let me hear you say given. And I'm going to do different things like this because I know you're full of food right now. And so we're going to have, we're going to just do little interactive things to wake you up. Um, when Jesus plundered the enemy camp, gifts were given. Hold up a number five uh, with your hands. Five gifts 
were given, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds or pastors, and teachers. Five kinds of people were given to those first churches and are still being given to the church today. If you are in Christ, if you're here tonight and you're in Christ, then you possess one of those five gifts or some combination of those gifts. But, but also, you are the plunder that Jesus secured when he won his great victory over the cross. And um, th- this was something that was just speaking to me this week, um, and I'm sure there's different ones of us that there's, just, there's people in our lives who are not yet redeemed by Jesus, and they're still held captive. And this is, this is a who is a way to see people, to see Jesus won a great victory over the cross, and that person who is driving me crazy, or that person who I want so much more for them, or that person who's held captive, they are unclaimed plunder of Jesus. He, he, is, he is at work to rescue and redeem them, and that's just a great way to reframe that person and that relationship. For if, if they break your heart or if they're driving you crazy, whatever the case, just to go, okay, God, that person is unclaimed plunder. Somebody that you rescued at the cross, help me to see him that way uh, from, from now on. And you are, you are, uncl- you are plunder that Jesus secured uh, at the cross, and you are a gift that, that Jesus has given to his church. Now, we have to ask why. Why were gifts given? Why were these five kinds of people given to the church? What's the point of the five? Ephesians 4, 12 through 16, Paul says, Jesus gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, or shorthand, you could say a pest. Um, So he gave pests uh, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we're going to grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, I know there's way too much there, Um, so we're going to actually spend two more Sundays right here, but for now, Paul just answered a question. Why, in his ascension, did Jesus then give gifts to the church? Three reasons. These gifts are how Jesus equips his church. These people are how Jesus fills his church. These people are how Jesus matures his church. Today's going to be about equipping, and then filling and maturing are going to be in the coming weeks. Um, But in a few minutes, we're going to discover some more about what these gifts actually are, like what's an apostle, what's a shepherd, how does that all work? But first, let's spend some time understanding this word equip, because that's what all five of those gifts do. They all equip. So in the original language, it's the word um, katartismos. Try saying that, katartismos. And just say it fast and with authority and nobody will question it. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Now you're bilingual. Um, this, this word uh, tells us some things about the current state of Jesus' body. It gives us a hint. This word is, is huge. It can be translated in all kinds of ways. It can mean equipping or outfitting. It can mean mending order or torn, healing, perfectly joining together, putting in order or adjusting or strengthening or perfecting, or completing, or making one what one ought to be. I like that one. 
All of these words describe how these five gifts, these five people serve the church, how these five people equip the church. And different words are going to mean, different ones of these jumped out at you probably based on your personality and your background. You probably had a, diff, a, a different favorite than, than my favorite. And the reason it jumps out at you is probably, that's probably a hint as to how God created you to help equip the church. And it's okay if the one that jumped out at you is different than the one person to your left or to your right. Um, but do this with me. Raise, raise your hand when you hear a phrase that kind of sounds like you. It sounds like your heart and your motivation and how you see things. When, when you look at the state of the church, not just reunion, but just like the church, big C church, Jesus's body, what do you, what do you tend to notice when you enter into a church space? Who would say, I see Christ followers who are struggling to understand who God is and what Jesus taught us, but I enjoy helping others get a firm grasp on God's truth for their life. Is there anybody here that you're like, yeah, that's, that sounds like me? Mm-hmm. Okay, a few of us. Okay, here's, here's another one. When I, um, when I look at the state of the church, I see people who are broken and hurting, but that doesn't scare me. I get energized when I see people who are in need of hope and compassion and healing. Who are the people that get energized by those kinds of settings? Yes, yes, you guys know yourselves well. As you're raising your hand, I'm like, yes, you, yes, yes, that is you. Okay, here's another one. I, I see people who don't know that they belong in Jesus's family. They just don't know it yet. But I'm a bridge builder, and I can translate God's heart for them in a way that they will understand. Who would say, that's kind of me, that's kind of my style? Mm-hmm, yes, yes, you are. Mm-hmm, yes, you are. Um, okay, here's another one. I see Christians who are breaking God's heart when they live according to worldly priorities instead of the priorities of God's kingdom. They are missing out on God's best for their lives, and I want so much more for them. Who would say, that's my heartbeat, that's, that's how I see things? Yep, yep. And last one, uh, I see people who are disconnected to God's larger vision and purpose for their lives, but give me time and space to make some key adjustments to how we do church, and this place can unleash people in their giftings. Yes? Yeah, who's that? Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. So if you spent time with these statements, there's probably a couple that are more important to you than others, and that's a hint about how God has built you to equip his church, and it's a hint about one of the five gifts that you possess. Let me hear you say apostles, apostles. prophets, prophets. Evangelists, evangelists, disciples of all, teachers. teachers. All right. So for what Jesus has asked us to do to make disciples of all nations, reunion is going to need to be a place for all five of Jesus' gifts to his church. We need the apostolic gifts. We need the prophetic gifts. We need the evangelistic. We need the shepherding, and we need the teaching gifts. This year and in the coming years, what if our calling from Jesus to make disciples of all nations, what if that became less overwhelming for us? Because I don't know about you. I hear what Jesus is asking us to do, and I'm like, me? Really? But what if, what, if, what if this year that calling became less intimidating, less overwhelming, because we're no longer doing this alone? We, we, never think, we, don't know, we no longer think of this as, Andy, this is something for you to do. But no, reunion, church, people to your left and your right, this community group, this place, this is something for us to do. What if it no longer became something so intimidating because we knew, I'm, I am one of five. I don't have to be all five gifts. I'm going to be who God created me to be. And for this other part of what the church needs to do, there's an awesome person who is doing their part. And then together we're like forming this body and it's like what Paul is describing. What if, what if, what if we began to experience the presence of Jesus through the person 
on our right and our left as they're living out the way that Jesus has gifted them to bless his church. And Jesus is present through them, through their speaking, through their acting. We, just, we look at them and we go, oh my gosh, you're showing me so much more of what Jesus is like just by you being who he made you to be. That sounds like the kind of church that I would love to be a part of. How about you? Does that sound all right? So what's a, what's a good first step? Um, step one, and it's all we have time for today, is to identify our unique gift. And to do this, we're going to get interactive. We are the body of Christ, and this next part has a Beastie Boys theme to it. We're going to call it Body Moving, if you know the song. <laughs> so uh, here's how, we, how we're going to do this. Um, please note that there are five different uh, areas in the room. There's a white taped up sign, so there's a, a number one. And then over there on that table there is a two, and then a three, and then a four, and a five. I'm like your flight attendant right now, and I need you to note where the exits are, but actually where the numbers are. So if you could see the one, two, three, four, five, just head on a swivel and make sure you know where those are. Um, so here's the thing. Um, I am going to put up some different questions, and your answer is going to be one of five answers. And depending on which one sounds like you, that's the part of the room you're going to go to. Okay? Does that make sense? So um, there's going to be a question on screen, and your answer is going to determine where in the room that you're going to move to. So let's stand, and here's the first question. If I was looking for a church home, um, it is a deal breaker for me. Have we got the next slide? Here we go. If I was looking for a church home, it's a deal breaker for me if, one, the group is a dying church stuck in the glory days of who they were 20 years ago. Two, most everyone lives and thinks according to sinful patterns and nobody thinks this is a problem. Three, the whole thing feels like a private club for religious insiders and no one bothers to explain what's going on. Four, people can't be honest about their struggles, creating a culture of isolation. Five, the sermons lack depth and substance and I'm constantly fact-checking the preacher. All right, now there's probably a couple of those that jump out at you. You do have to pick a favorite. There's only one place you can stand, okay? So ready? Uh, go to which one represents you. One, two, three, four, five. I'll give you about 10 seconds. Go for it. Note where you're standing. Note the number. Remember it. Remember that. Remember the area. Okay, here's the second question. I would be the most excited to be part of a team that is forming either one, best practices for how we do church in a way that aligns with what God's up to in Oakland, two, justice and compassion outlets to serve the poor, the marginalized, and others, three, connection opportunities for outsiders to explore the Christian faith in a non-churchy environment, four, safe environments for people to heal from spiritual and emotional wounding, five, a biblical foundation and direction for upcoming sermons and community group discussion. So whichever one sounds like you, move to that area, or maybe you're already still standing in the right number. Go. Okay, third question. It makes me sad. It makes me sad when, oh, and, and note where you are right now. Know where you are right now. A third question. It makes me sad when I see a church that one, has no vision for the future and future generations. Two, it makes me sad when I see a church that's more influenced by the culture than God's kingdom. Three, it doesn't know how to connect with people outside the church. Four, it only has good news for people who seem to have their act together. And five, doesn't know how much wisdom and help can be found in Bibles that are gathering dust. Okay, whichever one sounds like you, move to that number. Ready? Go. All right, fourth question. 
Here, we're, we're thinking about the unhealthy version of ourselves here. So we, we know what, what it's like to be around us when we're not in our, our best selves. So the unhealthy version of me will make you feel used because I measure your worth by your practical usefulness for my goals. Two, makes you feel judged because I really don't have very much patience for people who don't hold to my vision of biblical justice. Three, makes you worry because I will lower my standards of what it means to be a Christ follower so that nobody feels left out because that would be the worst, right? Four, makes you feel uncaring because I prefer stability and so I will dig in my heels whenever you want to introduce needed change around here. Five, makes you feel dumb because I like appearing smarter than you when it comes to the scriptures. Okay, so which one sounds the most like the unhealthy version of you? Here's the last question, last question. Here's the healthy version of ourselves. When my motivations are pure, when they're good, when my heart's in the right place, I just want to see, one, churches that unleash people into their fullest God-given capacity, two, Christians that lack hypocrisy so that they can call people into the light of God, three, churches that are infectious and magnetic dispensers of the good news about Jesus, Four, Christians who extend deep compassion and grace to a world that's hurting and lonely to live, all right? Stand by the number that's the truest, most true about you. Okay, now there were probably, I, I asked you to remember where you were standing at different times. I know we moved around, um, there were, but there, were, there, were probably, there was probably at least one area where you spent the most time, or there were maybe one of two areas where there was kind of a tie, okay? So if you can, um, think about where you spent the most time, which station you spent the most time at, and then I'd like you to go to the area where you spent the most time. Ready? Go for it. Where'd you spend the most time? Which number? Go for it. You will do this four times with the left, four with the right, then eight times with the Couple more seconds. Where did you spend the most time with all those questions? Is there one that kind of jumps out? And it's okay, this doesn't lock you in forever. We're just kind of getting warmed up to this idea. All right? All right? Cool. All right. So I need um, two ushers. I need two ushers. Could pass these out to everybody. Stay where you are. Mina, and then somebody take half of this off of Mina's hands, and just everybody will need one. All right. So um, is anybody standing by number one? Who's anybody number one? Sarah? And Mina? Yes, you are. Okay, cool. So Mina's, Mina actually is being an apostle right now. She's a sent one. I sent her to distribute out the paper. So this is perfect. Okay, so if you're an apostle, um, and Hannah, can you please take a picture of each group? So first, uh, Sarah and Mina. Um, so apostles, if you could look through an imaginary set of binoculars right now, it's a little tough for you, Sarah, with, with a baby in your hand, so maybe you can look through a telescope. Um, but um, apostles, look through some imaginary binoculars. Let me hear you say, extend the gospel, everybody. Ex extend the gospel. Here's the thing about apostles. They extend the gospel. As sent ones, that's what their name means, they ensure that the faith is transmitted from one context to another and from one generation to the next. They're always thinking about the future and how we can overcome barriers and establishing the church in new contexts, developing leaders, networking translocally. So, apostles, I am looking forward to how you are going to help equip our church to extend the gospel. All right, so group number two, if you're standing under the number two, you are probably a prophet. So prophets point to God with one hand and point to somebody else in the room with the other hand. 
All right, and then Hannah will get a picture of you. All right, together, like you like each other. There we go. Get in there. Get in there, all the prophets. All right. Beautiful. And everybody, let me hear you say, call to faithfulness. Here's the thing about prophets. They call God's people to be faithful. They are particularly attuned to God's desire for a just and a merciful and a humble church. They will bring correction and challenge any dominant assumptions that we are inheriting from the larger culture and going, "Mm, I don't know, that doesn't really sound like Jesus. And they would insist that the community obey what God has commanded. And they will question the status quo, regardless of whether they're going to be liked for speaking the truth that they know we needed to hear. Prophets, I'm looking forward to how you would equip our church to remain faithful to Jesus. If you're standing under the number three, you are probably an evangelist. Evangelists, open your arms to everybody else in the room. Yes. Yes. We accept you. We hug you. We welcome you. We will build a bridge to you. Anything standing in your way, I will take care of it. Evangelists, uh, let me hear everybody say, invite and translate. So evangelists invite and translate. These infectious communicators of the gospel message invite others to the cause. They can translate the essence of the gospel so that outsiders can understand. They help us to not speak Christianese, and they go, here, I'll help make sense of what that person just said. Sorry about them. And they will call for a personal response to God's redemption in Christ. And they can draw believers to be a part of the wider mission, growing the church. They're like, come on, guys, this is going to be awesome. You're going to love it. Evangelists, I'm looking forward to how you would equip our church to be inviting and comprehensible to outsiders. All right, if you're standing under the number four, you're probably a shepherd, pastor. Shepherds, make a sheep noise. (laughs) Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, Melanie's like, no, no, I'm not doing that. I have have what's called uh, self-esteem and and healthy boundaries, and no, I'm not going to do that. It's weird. Uh, Let me hear you say, everybody, let me hear you say nurture and protect. Shepherds or pastors, they nurture and they protect. They're caregivers of the community. They focus on the protection and the spiritual maturity of God's flock. So we read, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's you. They cultivate a loving and spiritually mature network of relationships so that the spiritual and emotional roadblocks that keep us from making and developing disciples are addressed and we can grow up in Christ. So they help us to mature. They help us to grow. They help us to get unstuck. Shepherds, I'm looking forward to how you can equip our church by caring and developing and maturing us. All right, if you're standing under the number five, you're probably a teacher. Teacher, strike a pose that says, let me think about that. (laughs) All right, everybody, let me hear you say, understand and explain. That's what teachers do. They understand and they explain. Communicators of God's truth and wisdom from scripture and church history, they help others remain biblically grounded to better discern God's will, guiding others towards wisdom, helping the community remain faithful to Christ's word, and constructing a transferable doctrine so that the church can understand her part in God's story. Now, the rest of you thought, that sounds so nerdy, but they were like, oh yeah, give me that. That sounds great. Teachers, I am looking forward to how you would equip our church to build our lives on God's truth and God's wisdom. All right, Um, on the papers that went around, hopefully some people have a pen on them that they can share with everybody. Otherwise, there's some pens at the giving tree. Would you please circle the name of your primary gift and then come on back to your seat? All right, 
circle the name of your primary gift, and then come on back to your seat. Probably need that Beastie Boys song to motivate them to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not really feeling it yet. Now they're feeling it. Now they're feeling it. All right, come on back, come on back. All right. Good, good. That's going to be stuck in your head all night, and you're welcome. All right, because I'm a te- I am a teacher, I would have stood under number five. Because I'm a teacher, I have homework for you. Um, on the bottom of your paper, you're going to see a next step. Um, if you want to take this further, this was like trying to like self-assess, um, but if you, want, if you want something that's probably a little more accurate, because probably you were like, you were like I'm standing under this n- number, but maybe this one also sounds like me. Um, you, you might even be a combo of a couple of these things. So if you want to take this further, there's this online assessment that I highly recommend. Um, it's a resource from Alan Hirsch called 5Q. Um, think about IQ, but instead of measuring people's intelligence, it's measuring how you're gifted with these five gifts from Jesus. And um, our unique makeup of these five gifts is going to be rolled out in stages. Um, the first stage is our community groups. We're going to be offering practical ways for us to serve each other with our unique gift mix within our community groups. Um, there are, your community group leaders are going to be stoked because there's parts about being a community group leader that they do not enjoy or they're not good at. And you have just been laying there dormant this whole time with all these gifts. And they're like, where have you been? All my-? That's going to be a regular conversation, especially for the next few weeks in our community groups. Um, the second stage is going to take more time. Reunion's leadership team is going to take a prayerful look at the gift makeup of our church, and we're going to ask what we can be doing in the coming months to become the kind of church that develops people in their gifts, that makes space for them uh, to do what God created them to do. So we have an environment where all the gifts are thriving. Nothing would make me happier if tonight you went online and you took the assessment. It costs $8.00. But if that is a financial hardship for you, my email is on the paper, and Reunion will cover your costs. If that is the only thing standing in your way, let me know, because I would love for you to get a sense for how God created you to serve as blesses church. You're going to get an amazing profile of your gift mix, and I would love for us to be sharing our results with our community groups, with our friends. I would love for you to share your results with me. So um, my email's on there, and I would love, like, once you take it, send it to me, because uh, just nothing gets me more excited than thinking about getting everybody into their sweet spot, which, would, you know, we do a lot of stuff around here just because we have to, like, it just needs to get done. What I would love to do is more and more to set everybody free to do what God made them to do, because that doesn't feel like work when you're doing what you love to do, what you were made to do. For now, uh, please put your paper in your pocket because whenever I give you papers, they stay on the chairs and it makes me cry. So put it in your pocket. (laughs) Please take the assessment as soon as you can. Um, So what are we going to do tonight that will make me so happy? Yes. All right. So now, um, can we get into a giant circle? Uh, We're doing like Dr. Seuss, uh, Grinch Who Stole Christmas uh, style. Going to circle up and let's uh, let's grab hands with people to our left and our right. Make a giant circle. Okay, so here's our uh, benediction. Let's uh, get that up on the screen. 
So um, here's our benediction, Hebrews 13, verse 21. May Yahweh equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So here's the thing about this scripture. Um, God has called you, but he also equips you for what he has called you to do. So being a disciple of Jesus and making disciples of Jesus is not something that he's asking you to do under your own steam. He's saying, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you what you need to do this. And part of what you need to do this is the person to your left and to your right. This is not something we do alone. It's something we do together. And um, my hope and prayer is that we become a united body, like what Paul is describing, where we're bringing out the best in each other. We're celebrating the fact that, oh my gosh, you are so good at stuff I'm terrible at. You're so good at stuff that I would never want to do. I thank God you're here. And that they would say the same thing about you. Um, I think that um, the world needs more churches like that. Um, it'll take time. It'll take patience. It'll take wisdom. Um, but I think we're up for it. I'd, I'd love to do that with you. So uh, don't be intimidated by Jesus' call to make disciples of all nations. He's going to equip us for it, and he's given us each other uh, as a big part of how he's equipped us to, to do that. So um, as a final benediction, um, what I would love is for you to just to somebody to your left or to your right, um, to the best of your ability, tell the person next to you what your primary gift is and your best guess as to how your gift can help you understand more about Jesus. What is your gift? How does your gift connect you to Jesus? Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that. However, if you have kids, go get them first and then bring them back, okay? But this will be our final word, and then um, get any dessert or anything you brought with you. Um, but yeah, hang out. Let's, let's chat about this for a little bit before we chat about anything else, okay? All right. Bless you guys. Love you guys.